to Young Discourse, a podcast for kids by kids. Three young siblings talk about anything interesting under the sun. Be amused. Do you think it would be cooler to see the world if you're incredibly small or if you're super gigantic? Informed. Dust is actually very colorful. It's made up of things like skin cells, pollen, minerals, animal dander, stuff like that. And feel free to cringe. Out of the two octopi that it took to make those 56,000 eggs, the mother and the father, only two come out. This is Young Discourse, happening right now. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Young Discourse podcast. I'm Isaiah. Wait, what? what? <laughs> oh, oh I'm on. Alina. Oh, I'm Ben. <laughs> Today we're talking about um, the book Get Smart. It's about how to increase your brain power and improving your chances for success. And yeah, this book is divided into different chapters or blinks. And we've each read certain ones and we're going to share them to each other. Just keep in mind that um, this is not an advertisement. We were not paid to do this. And we just did this to have fun and make another episode in our podcast and share it with you guys. All right. So since I have the first blink, I'll, I think I'll go first. So um, really. the author is Brian Tracy. And he says that the first step of unlocking your brain's potential. <laughs> um, the first step of unlocking your brain's potential is to change your perspective. So he talks about imagining a scenario in which you have a bank account with one million dollars in it. So let's say, I mean, yeah, that's a lot of dollars. But let's say somehow something's blocking you from most of that money and you can only access 20,000 of that. One million dollars, that'd be pretty like infuriating, right? That'd be pretty. Yeah. That'd yeah. suck. But that's actually what humans go through, since um, there's like a similar ratio of um the total amount of like brain cells or your brain potential and how much you're actually using. Hmm. So out of let's say, I mean, if you were to scale it down to one million brain cells, I guess. You can only access or think with 20,000 of them. I'm not sure. Ben's is 10,000. <laughs> <laughs> hey! <laughs> Sorry, why do I keep making fun of Ben? Because I'm the youngest. The youngest sibling always gets that. Yeah. And then middle sibling gets nothing. <gasps> the oldest sibling gets everything, baby. Yo! Um. Right. <laughs> he said that the most, um, one of the most important steps is to change your perspective on everything. Reality, I guess. So an optimistic person and a pessimistic person see the same world, right? We're all seeing the same yeah. world. But they view they, it in a different way. Yeah, they, the optimistic person sees it as a world full of possibilities and opportunities. Like, like mm. Let's say an optimistic person and a pessimistic person look at a snail on the on the street, right? An optimistic person might say, Oh wow! Look at its beautiful shell. Oh wow! It's a very it's a cool creature, right? A pessimistic person might be like you, slime. Slime. <laughs> slime. Yeah. Yeah, snails are slow. What what do they even do? Like, come on now. Just that's on so it. mean. What do you mean? Snails don't do anything. Yeah, snails are. But they're so cute. <laughs> Just kidding. Cannot... I think the main takeaway from the first 
blink is that just be optimistic i guess i mean i think that's i think that's probably one of the most important things of life i mean i think yeah. try, being optimistic try is definitely i feel like there's a point at which you can go too far with that optimism though there's a point where you can be like optimistic at everything like if you're at your friend's <laughs> dog's funeral you're like actually no that's that's actually at least good. you don't have to at pay least... for pet food anymore oh <laughs> at least it's less less space in your house taken up that's so sad why did i say that you can have that mindset but i think optimistic people don't get affected by um, negativity yeah negativity yeah i see what you're saying but there's like you also hear lessons about Ooh, if you keep chasing your dreams and if you keep thinking oh i'm gonna make it i'm gonna make it then you'll be let down if you if you like kind of don't achieve your dreams and if you work your hardest but life seems to turn you down yeah i feel like that would be much more upsetting if you're an optimistic person rather than if you were like at least normal at least because there's a point at when if you're too optimistic you don't admit to yourself things that are hard in life that's true yeah let's say you won't tell yourself that you feel that something and you end up and you might end up saying oh that's perfectly fine when you should be trying to improve yourself or yeah. something i feel like you could definitely fall down like this rabbit hole of like oh what i'm doing is right even if um it might not be morally just like i don't know if you if you like stab a person or something or you're like um <laughs> um like, that dude bullied me in sixth grade yeah. i'm gonna stab him <laughs> he finna die for his crimes <laughs> yeah exactly like he he at least he got karma at least um now i i can live happily without knowing that i never got revenge on my sixth grade bully <laughs> so reasonable optimism is I yeah guess, the take yeah away. you know or you know. maybe a, a mixture of both or neither just look at it true and neutral. take nothing <laughs> i just don't think that pessimism <laughs> helps pessimism honestly is more annoying than optimism though obviously but i think i don't think it helps at all in every situation in my opinion what does pessimism oh so there's no situation where pessimism is better than yeah. optimism yeah I can't but think it, of one. but it mm-hmm. actually can could be good like let's say i don't know someone might be optimistic to skydive when that person might be like disabled or something and they might not be able they might not be able to open their parachute so pessimism might be able to stop them from doing that but yeah, I don't know. Well, um, I, I think you. I think that's uh, like that's taking optimism and pe- pessimism in a weird way context. That's like not like, <laughs> like not fully situation. realistic. Why would, someone, why would someone who can't open a parachute or even pull their parachute want to go skydiving in the first place? Yeah. I mean, okay, so let's say they do want to. It's not. It's not really pessimism if you're saying, "Oh, wait." Can you really open your parachute? That's like, or like, yeah, that's not. It's that's like, like concern for your friend. Yeah, that you're actually gonna die. Yeah, that's genuine like concernment. Is that a word? I don't think so, but yeah, concern. Oh, no. It's concern. probably not pessimism. You can just say concern. <laughs> 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 I 
concernment. I think the only situation that I can think of where pessimism pessimism might pessimism pessimism yes pessimism might come in handy is if there's like this overly optimistic person that you have to like neutralize i guess like someone who's optimistic with too many things and actually hurts people more than it might help someone yeah if you're just like way too um out of touch with reality and you need to be brought back down like with pessimism yeah but i guess that's kind of depressing but like if you're so out of touch with this world it's i don't think you're fully living it sheesh words from alina bernardino 2021 (laughs) okay wait before we move on to the next one i'd actually like to say something about that so if you're out of touch with the world you're not fully living it sheesh yeah as long as you are enjoying what you're seeing of the world, then I think it was, it's enough to it be living be, it, right? That's true. In my opinion, as like it doesn't even have to be the real world that like, you can be dreaming, mm. or in a like in a, in a, in an Inception movie or something where like you're you're not really living, but you're in a world that interacts with you and you're happy. Yeah. If you're happy, then I guess you're really living it, right? There, I mean, reality is like not yeah. anything, nothing but like perceived signals in your brain. I know, right? Like everything that's happening to you is just happening inside your head anyway. So, what's the difference between what you perceive and what's actually real? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you'd never be able to find that difference if you think what you perceive is real. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, that was maybe a bit too deep, but let's move that on to the second one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. So, might you have the second one? The second um, blink? Yeah. So, the second blink is, I think it's pretty understandable. It basically talks about how long-term thinking and, like, creating goals for yourself and looking into the future can help you be successful. But it also adds that... Um, it's not that's not just enough but you also need to take immediate action on those goals so what you important so what you're saying yeah. is that you shouldn't just make a goal and not do anything about it yeah but you should actually try and achieve it so that mm-hmm. or just like but if you have like a dream just immediately start working on it at least it doesn't matter how much how much like you want to work on it as long as it's just five minutes yeah of just getting started then that's good enough, right? Yeah, yeah. That's better than just dreaming about it. Yeah, like the like the saying, actions are better than words. Mm. Um, the book also says that seventy percent of all Americans actually live from paycheck to paycheck. So instead of like thinking about investing or like putting like creating um, what do you call that again? A savings account. They just think about, ooh, um, what's the next car I should get or what's the newest phone I could get or something like that. And so what the author says is that what you can do to get a head start is just open a savings account immediately and just every month you can put in 10% or 15% of your income in it. And that will really like give you a push. Or what about like investing into stocks like I did? (laughs) (laughs) Ooh. Ooh, stock broker. <laughs> Child, stock broker. Yeah. Ben has a lot of money invested in the stock market, right? Yeah, like the young stock broker. <laughs> okay, continue. Um, 
I think that I read a quote on the internet once that that um ga- I think gave me the same lesson. It said, "Don't let a wishbone grow where the backbone should be," or "Don't let a wishbone grow where a backbone should." I'm not sure. Something about wishbone mm, and backbone. That 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 that's actually a good um quote. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's about um you know just creating the fundamental yeah. base for your dreams instead of just wishing for them. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Don't um instead of wishing for it, try working for it. Ooh. Sheesh. Sheesh. <laughs> okay, so yeah. I have the third blink, and it's about um making better decisions by slowing down your thinking. So um. Basically, what it says is that um, it wants you to use your brain more effectively by thinking about what you're doing and sort of replaying the situation, I guess you could say, inside of your head so Mm -hmm. that when you face the situation, you're able to you're able to face it with the proper um, actions, answers, stuff like that. Right. Mm hmm. In this blink, it says that a great tactic would to take 72 hours before making an important deci- decision. This will get this will let you think carefully and find your best answer. Mm, yeah. And yeah. And they say they've made a model called the GOSPA model. So the goals like your goals basically what's what do you want to achieve and your objectives how you're going to get there the small little steps the strategies like how you're going to how you're going to climb up that the how are you going to climb up those stairs and your priorities like what should you put in what should you do first what is more important what will help me better and your actions, mm-hmm. um, like basically, what you do, how, like, like how you f- um carry out your goal, your plan, and yeah, that's basically what I can say about th- um the third blink. Seventy-two hours, huh? That's a lot of time. Just that's, think spent thinking about that decision. Yeah, that's like what three days. Maybe. Um, the only I think I fully agree with that, but the only problem is, um, it's hard to find out what's an important decision that you have to take a lot of time to think about, and what's just a small little thing that you don't need <laughs> so much time for. I think you of all people, Maya. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So for me personally, like. I spend a lot of time on things that don't really matter and I think it would be nice like to try to see what defines what an important decision is. Yeah, cuz sometimes I see that you spend hours like in a clothing shop or something <laughs> <laughs> thinking about what to what to get and it's and yeah. by the end of the day you only bring back like two items, right? Yep. So you spend so much time <laughs> and <laughs> it's a- it's actually crazy but to that's me. my money <laughs> yeah maya they said 72 hours only not a whole year like come on 
Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I even like find myself stopping to choose which pencil sharpener I need to、yeah. sharpen my pencil. Like, come on. Honestly, I think I'm someone who gets like a lot of decision fatigue, where I just like if I like see too many options, um, I just like I pick one that works for me and just go with it. Really? I just don't. Think about it too much. Sometimes I get overwhelmed and just like leave it for tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes for me, I feel like I might have not spent enough time working on the decision. Like I might agree to something that I decide. Wait a minute. Like, yeah. That, that, I should not have done that. Yeah, definitely.、I、like maybe in the game, um, like you. Let's say you jump into a pit or something that has a treasure in it, <laughs> and it ends up being a vision, and you die. So like that, that wasn't a good idea. So、mm. yeah. So it it's good to spend um a decent amount of time, but not too much time or too little. You have to find an equilibrium for you. Yeah. But sometimes you don't have the time, you know. Like、yes. you have to make, you have to have that quick, quick decision. Yeah. yeah. Since like in in what some of these blinks, it actually tells you to do all this stuff and don't procrastinate. Maybe while you're working, you can think on that decision. Yeah. Okay. Yes, so、sir. where's the fourth blink? Who has the fourth blink? I got the fourth blink, sir. Okay. All right. So this one talks about how success depends on intensive research and asking the right questions. So, I guess、um, the emphasis on this one is that. Okay, so it says here that eighty percent of new products flop, and have to be withdrawn. Dang. Eighty percent is a lot, actually. That actually. sucks. Yeah, that's a lot of resources. Um, and they say that. If you want to know if your product will be successful, or if anything could be successful, you you want to ask the right questions. And I think they mean they give the example that you want to avoid confirmation bias、um, when you're looking for success. Like if you're looking, if you're always asking, like, "Oh, hey, does this product look good?" And people are like, "Oh, yeah, it's, you know, it's like okay, yeah, I like it."、Mm-hmm. Then you're getting that. Echo chamber of yeah, my product is good. It's always good. There's nothing wrong about it. Yeah. So you might want to actually go out and then tell people, or or say like maybe even like disguise it. You know, like say like, oh, here's a competitor competitor brand of our product. So this, what sucks about this product? And you could ask that, and people will give you all the criticism that you need. And, you know, you can find ways to see if it's successful or not through that. Because people are honest when they don't have to like, when they're not when they're when they're feel feeling like forced when they're not feeling forced to give like a good answer. You know? Yeah, yeah. But the problem is that if you get too much optimism from others, you might be hurt more by、um, negativity. So you need to know.、Um, you need to brace yourself, I guess, because let's say. Um, I don't know. You might post a meme on the internet, right? And you get a ton of likes. People in the comments saying, "Wow, nice meme." But when when someone says you suck, 
<laughs> terrible meme. No one likes you. Dead meme. Like, yeah, dead meme. Like, I'm unfollowing you. Yeah. Then you'll be hurt more and you'll lose more. So you have to know that um, not everyone will support you. Just like in this podcast, there will always be someone who doesn't like your product, who doesn't like your meme. Stuff like that. So, yeah. Haters gonna hate, bro. Stay mad. I think, that, that <laughs> that's, that, I think that's why they had the first blink and they like taught you to be, um, to take constructive criticism as like feedback on how to grow instead of like constructive criticism as something that um, is malicious and like yeah. Speak, um, something yeah. that people who hate you say to you. Think of it as a chance to grow. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. That's, I guess they set that up there. Since, like, if that person never, um, let's say, if someone never told you that your meme sucks, then you'd never know the things that, um, you never, you'd never know the ways you could make it better and then come back with less haters and more supporters. Yep. All right. Do we have the fifth, the fifth element? Uh huh. Um, I think this one's also kind of cliche, like, you know, your teachers always tell you to do this every school year. Wait, wait, let me guess what it is. Um, cliche. Yeah. Uh, Determination. Give me a hint, give me a hint. About long-term planning. Ooh. Never give up? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's something you're forced to do, like something you actually do. Make a map. Like, make a, draw a, um... <laughs> Record your grades. Record your grades. <laughs> what? <laughs> like draw a um a list. Okay, mm-hmm. give it to us. Give it to us. Okay, it's writing a goal. Oof. Writing goals. Yeah. For the yeah. year. But sometimes in school, when they tell you to write a goal, it doesn't really feel honest since yeah you might not really want that goal and you just want to like complete the assignment yeah, yeah honestly i'm just writing stuff down yeah, yeah. like <laughs> i'm like read five books yeah. yeah i'll totally do that yeah yeah um freaking become a billionaire when i'm 30 years old <laughs> yeah like, you look back at the year actually like um like at the end of the year i actually never remember like looking back at those goals that we made at the start of the year like, what did they do with those? Yeah, you're right. A lot of times, the teachers don't really help you with those goals, like, really at all. <laughs> it's just, like, a one-time thing. <laughs> yeah, and they they wouldn't, um, what was it again? They wouldn't push you forward on that goal. They wouldn't support you, but they, I don't know, they, they just don't help you, I guess. So you're left on your own to try and complete that goal mm. most of the time. Well, most of the time, I don't even feel like completing the goal. Yeah, um, most of the time, it's an empty longing. Okay, what I think is that it's the right intention, right? You want to, you, of course, you want to set goals. Yeah. Yeah. But the way that I was, like, forced to write down, oh, what's your academic goal of the year? What's your physical goal of the year? Yeah, I know, right? I think it's stuff that um they're making you write goals that aren't really that you aren't really motivated to do 
Yeah. It's like they set limits for your goals. I think the better way to encourage like students to set goals would just to be would just be to like have the teacher like talk with them personally, like say like um or maybe not maybe not even talk about goals, just talk about like things that you like to do yeah. and as I think as long as a teacher has a good relationship with a student and the teacher's chill and all, then the, the the student will be motivated by themselves to make goals and achieve them. Um so the blink also says that since the world is always changing and like new things are always being invented, it's hard to keep up with all this new all this new stuff that keeps coming in every year. So um writing down a goal like and having it like with you physically is um important to be consistent with what you want yeah and another problem with with that is that when you grow up your personality might change or you might find something that intrigues you more and you'll have a totally different goal a totally different motivation you you might not want to do that anymore and you'll find yourself wanting to do completely different things yeah i feel like especially as a little kid you're still like going through new experiences like when i was five i wanted to be like i don't know a a princess an an architect actually an architect would be cool but i think I don't know, not really anymore. <laughs> you would want to be a princess now, though? Princess? I No, definitely, but, like, come on. We're being realistic here. <laughs> yeah, because um, it's, like, basically impossible to be a princess nowadays since there are only a few countries that actually... Um, have, like, the monarchy. Yeah, have a monarchy. <laughs> yeah. So the blink basically says you should get some paper... And write down 10 things that you want to achieve this year. I think that's kind of like what you did in the school. 10 things? Just anything? Anything in the yeah. year that you want to achieve? Just anything that you want to achieve in a year from now. That's kind of like a New Year's resolution. Yeah. Well, I know that I want to get some candy. <laughs> that's what you want to achieve? That's, that's, your, that's, <laughs> that's achievable. That's <laughs> going to give you some character development? Yes! In my giant storyline. <laughs> what a great story arc. Ben receives candy. Yes. A climax. <laughs> okay. Um, so for the goals, you want to make sure that you use the present tense. And you want to make sure that it's actually positive. Like, for example, you don't want to say something like, um, I'm lonely or something. You should put... Um, you shouldn't um, say that I don't want to be lonely anymore. Yeah. Say that... I want to make some friends. Yeah, I or, want to become a sociable person or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Use affirmative language. Like, don't say, "Don't be lonely." Yeah. That's not. That shouldn't be your goal. Yeah, say, don't say do gain not gain like five new friends or something. Like yeah, that. it should be uplifting. It shouldn't be tearing down your past self. The author says actually something that I don't really agree with, but um, he basically says. Um, you have to choose one of those goals that really stands out to you and the one that you want to achieve the most. And he says, quote, this, he says this will be your, quote, major def- definite purpose in life. <laughs> Dang. 
That's pretty. You know, that's like committed. a bold thing to say. Yeah. But but yeah, you should start small. That's quite a lot of commitment. In my opinion. Yeah. Um. So after that, you need to write down twenty things that can help you achieve that one goal. And then like, put make that list into a checklist, and then, yeah, and then just start working on it. I feel like. Yeah, like, like if you don't know what you you want to do, then how can you find your major definite purpose? In I life? know, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I I don't think and anyone, I don't think except people who like are like have really devoted, devoted like, and really happy to do something. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think that um, uh, a young person like me would would already know what they want to do. Cause I'm still stuck between a lot of like careers that yeah. I might take, but like um, to find the major definite purpose <laughs> of you in, in your of life, life. That's that's literally like I don't really think that anybody has that. Yeah. Like, except for like those people, like they've been like you know those people like. Sometimes they're like your classmates who are like, "Ooh, that person is definitely gonna be a swimmer when they grow up, or that person is definitely gonna be like an artist." Like it's yeah. just that's the only hobby they have. That's the only thing they've worked on for like their yeah. whole life. But but that's I- so rare for because a lot of people. It's not like you can just find something and just be like, "That's yeah. what I'm gonna do for the yeah. rest of my life." Like um, let's say. You see a piano like twenty miles away, and you're like, oh, "That that's that's definitely what I'm gonna do." That that doesn't happen at all. <laughs> that's so what? See a piano twenty miles away. Thanks for the example, Ben. <laughs> the greatest examples. Yes, the best ones. I feel like I don't want just one thing to consume my entire life like i don't want to dedicate my life to one thing yeah it would be nice to have like i don't know two jobs so that you can have something that actually has a good salary (laughs) or something (laughs) like that and then you can have something that you enjoy working on yeah yeah but what if something you enjoy working on takes all your time like you're an animator and yet you just have to well Hmm. I feel like you could find time. You could yeah. you could do it like before and after work in the morning and in the evening. Yeah, you ha- you can do it on a big scale though. Like you couldn't work for Pixar, I think. You might can might definitely not like, for Pixar. Uh, like just small scale projects, individual projects. Yeah, like making animations on YouTube. That yeah. that won't take as long, but still, it might be. Um, something that you enjoy doing yeah this actually takes me to another point this isn't from the book but i just feel like um people usually think that oh if you're an artist but you're working full-time as like i don't know um a garbage man or something people like say oh that's so sad like they think of it as such a sad moment where like ooh, this guy has lost all his potential but i feel like as long as you're able to do it at least just like every once in a while and you're able to create something that you like from it 
I think that's all that matters. It's not like you have to devote all your time to um, that one hobby of yours. I feel like all you need to do is just have at least a little time to do what you love. Yeah. Yeah. Well, who knows? Some maybe what you love is g- gonna be garbage collecting, and you just love that. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. The nice perfume of that banana peel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what was Blink's six? So basically, the summary of the sixth Blink is that you should spend every hour at school or at work, um, like actually doing what you're supposed to do instead of, let's say, watching a YouTube video like I might, or um, <sighs> I don't know, just doing random stuff. And they say here that um, there's a great method, which is the law of three. So they tell you to find the three most important tasks in your work or in school. Or like, let's say you're writing an essay, the three most important points that you're supposed to make, right? And um, once you get all of those done, you can move on to the smaller things which will probably take a lot less time and you can end up getting things done quickly and efficiently Hmm. and yeah that's pretty much it so basically prioritize which tasks yes to do yeah that reminds me um i actually still have some homework that i need to do yeah i was actually (laughs) thinking about my physics homework that i haven't done yet (laughs) i have english and uh social studies um, I still need to do my math. <laughs> um, well, I guess we have to invoke the law of three here. Yep. Is there anything else about the blink that was interesting? No, not really. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, that that that's pretty much it. That that that's just the sixth blink. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. Mo- let's move on to the seventh one. So the seventh one is that success in the modern world requires a flexible mind that continues learning. It's basically a lifelong learning. Um, I thought, I mean, it, it's kind of self-explanatory, kind of like all the blinks, to be honest. Mm. But you, I mean, we're. it says that we're living in one of the most dynamic times in human history. So yeah. you have to be always prepared to just make a quick change in whatever you're doing, you know? And if you want to be successful, you have to always be on your feet. Mm. Like, be prepared for anything. Yeah. Um, it talks about how... Um, do you guys know the book retailer Borders? I no. I think I remember mm. it. I might remember... I'm, it might have gone bankrupt before uh, I ever went in but I think I remember seeing some and it's basically it was one of the biggest book retailers kind of like Barnes and Nobles today Hmm. but um they weren't able to adapt to the Kindle and the iPad which had you know the uh the the reading the tablet reading oh so since they weren't able to like kind of like get that on the market as fast as the other competitors and see that and recognize that technology they went down they went down oof yep feels bad man <laughs> yeah so you have to be uh you have to have to you have to flexibly think i guess 
Yeah, I guess I guess it's crazy how like things become obsolete within like a few years. Yeah. Yeah, and also sort of like memes, like um peep like memes get um unpopular or like dead um after I don't know, maybe just 3 months and people will end up um not liking what you might post as much so you have to like go with the flow and be relevant to um modern times i guess Mm. yeah pretty much so they talk about how um a technique to be flexible is to ask uh, yourself a question every day um and the question is if you if you got the chance to do this from the beginning again would you and i think mm-hmm. they're talking about just anything like any like any event or conversation that you had or anything i mean i i honestly ask myself that question like all the time i'm thinking about uh like just like how i might have done different things differently yeah like oh i should have said this i mean obviously everyone has that moment in the shower when they're like oh my god i could have said this in that argument yeah and i would have totally destroyed them but why not (laughs) why didn't i think of that yeah or like um in the cafe you say you too enjoy your drink you too (laughs) it's like oh god one time a teacher asked me how are you doing alina and i was like you too no (laughs) no. (laughs) how are you doing alina you too (laughs) My uh, name's not Alina. <laughs> what the heck? Yeah, I still haven't forgotten that moment. That uh, was just pure pain. But when you think about it, that teacher probably doesn't remember it like at all. Yeah. So it has no real effect, and you shouldn't dwell on that past to regret. Ooh. Yeah, Ooh. I mean, do you really remember embarrassing moments of your friends? Like not really, right? Like you don't yeah. think about that that much, and so they probably think about it way more than you do, and that applies to you too. Like you probably think of your embarrassing moments so many, so so many times over in your head, but other people aren't thinking about it. Yeah, I feel like the more so you it doesn't think, really matter. The more you think about these embarrassing moments, the more you're just amplifying them. Yeah, and I feel like over time you're like just exaggerating them a lot more in your head. Yeah. Yep. Yep, that was it for uh, Blink 7. Okay. Oh, boy, even. Oh, yeah, okay. So the eighth Blink talks about mechanical thinking, and it's basically a mindset where you only believe that you failed at something or that you've succeeded at something, and there's no mm. gray area or in-between. And um, that's why... Um, um, mechanical thinkers um, are afraid of stepping out of their comfort zone and trying new things because they're afraid of failing at them. And um, creative thinkers think the opposite of that. Creative thinkers um, are excited to try new things and because they see it as a chance for improvement and a chance to learn from something so they see everything as a win like let's say i don't know 
you miss you miss a throw at, to a basketball hoop, then you'll be like, oh, how could I have done that differently, right? Yeah. So they look positively at their mistakes and they don't see them as absolute failures. They see them as... Uh, I guess mechanical thinkers are like afraid of mistakes, but creative thinkers are like seeing it as possibilities for yeah they embrace their mistakes but the problem with mechanical thinking is that like if you don't do it at all then like you gain even less or like you get you get nowhere by failing or or winning like both will help you so by doing nothing then that will basically also do nothing for you Mm-hmm. Do you guys see yourselves as mechanical thinkers? Um, usually depends on, like, what I'm doing, I guess you could say. Yeah, I feel like I want to be a creative thinker, but sometimes I look at myself, like, for example, um, I cannot really take constructive criticism like if a teacher tells me like oh you did this wrong in an assignment like on an assignment i'm like oh but i'm i get frustrated at myself for like allowing these imperfections even though it's like perfectly normal yeah and i see myself like in games like let's say i don't know i get really far in an obstacle course I'd be like, oh, wow, at least I got that far. I can do it again, and I know how I'm going to pass that. Mm-hmm. But um, maybe in something like, I don't know, um, an English test, right? Yeah. Um, then I might be like, oh, man, I missed that word, and that really sucks. I'm not as good, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's certain things that, like, you know... I like to think of myself as a creative thinker, but sometimes I'm just like, damn, I really suck at this. Yeah. And it's like, whatever. Honestly, I find myself like taking up like random hobbies, like um, sewing or something. And like, I have never finished like more than five projects in sewing. Um, I started this one t-shirt and then I'm like, nope. And so now I have like a pile of, unfinished things in my room because i i don't know i think i'm afraid eh, i don't actually i don't think i'm afraid of failure i think it's just i'm too lazy to finish them yeah and same for me whenever i start a project like building something or building something in a game or actually making a game i find myself just like um having no ideas at all and just yeah moving on to the next thing Mm. you like that yeah oh um i think i think what i was trying to say with the hobbies is that i start new hobbies and then i get frustrated when i'm not perfect the first time i try it even though it's like impossible i kind of feel like like for example if i try out um i don't know um painting or something like that and i'm like damn this painting really sucks i'm like i don't i I don't have the motivation to keep painting and so i stick to things that i 
feel better at like drawing or something. And yeah. so I never get better at those hobbies that I want to be good at, but am not good at at the moment. Yeah. Is there anything else about the eighth blink? Uh-huh. Um, so it tells you, it, it gives you these um, steps to become a creative thinker. So um, the, th- the first thing you have to do is look at whatever you're doing and see if there's any problem with it. Like, for example, if you're running like an ice cream truck or something, you have to see a problem that you're dealing with. Like, oh, I'm not making enough money. And so um, once you think that you've identified your problem, um, it's actually probably not the real underlying problem that you're facing. For example, like, it's it's not the... Um, it's not the real problem that you're not earning enough money as an ice cream truck driver. It's that maybe um, you can look at that problem and dissect it even more. So for example, um, you can say, okay, why am I not making enough money? Well, because I don't have enough customers. Well, why are you not make, why don't you have enough customers? And you can think about it and be like, oh, because there's actually, maybe there's another ice cream truck that's doing better than you. Well, why are they doing better than you? Um, maybe they have a bigger variety of ice cream flavors or their prices are slightly cheaper than yours. And so by dissecting each one of these problems that you've come up with, you can try to find the real issue that you're dealing with. And so after you think you've found the absolute um, root cause of your problem, um, then you have to try to think of solutions for that. And so you, you can make a list of solutions and um, decide on the solution that you think would work best. And then, like, for example, um, I could add new flavors to the ice cream menu or... I can lower my prices by 50 cents or something like that. After that, you have to set key performance indicators or KPIs um, for the solution. So basically, key performance indicators are like ways that you know that your solution may be working. For example, oh, um, you can one of your KPIs could be um, I have five more customers a day or something like that. And you should try to be specific with your KPIs so that you can really find out whether or not your solution is working. And so after that, you can set a deadline for the solution. And um, and if there's a and if there's for some reason your solution isn't working out, then you can always have a backup and work on that. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people have all these problems but they're like incorrectly identifying the root of the problem. Yeah. Or they might be like um, looking at something that they're already doing right, changing it and making things worse. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah. For the ninth blink, it's it's basically about how you can become successful or wealthy. And it says that here that if you think of, if you think that you're worthy, hardworking, and basically, like, um, important to humankind, then you'll find you yourself ex- succeeding. And um, 
this is because of the law of correspondence, which talks about how the way you position yourself internally um, will be reflected externally. So what you're saying is the way that you look at yourself on the inside can like project onto others? Only on yourself, but it does that because you'll give yourself more self-confidence, like do better in whatever task you're focusing on. Mm. So whatever you think actually is true, you know? So like if you think you're going to be successful and you're like, convinced of it then you'll be successful um pretty much yeah oh so oh okay yeah i see what you're saying yeah so um inside of the ninth blink it also states that if you want to be successful and wealthy then you should try and develop a successful and wealthy mindset well basically like the mind of a successful person and it states here that if you want to um, start that m- mindset, then you need to look at what successful people do. Like, let's say, I don't know, Jeff Bezos, right? Um, he's, like, basically the wealthiest person on the planet. And if you look at him, he has, like, a great company with, like... Um, with fast delivery and stuff like that and so he's very innovative i guess you could say Mm -hmm. and um yeah so you could also look at other people and try and take things from them and try and um use those traits or copy them and yeah like wear a turtleneck and jeans like Steve Jobs. <laughs> yeah, sure. Like, I think Steve Jobs actually had this thing where he was talking about how every day he looks in the mirror. Um, yeah. In the morning or something. And he asks himself, um, is what you're going to do today going to be fun? Are you going to enjoy it? And hmm. if he's like saying no for multiple times in a week, then he goes out and makes sure that he's going to say yes. And he makes sure that he's going to enjoy that day. And I think that's something you could definitely copy. But I think there's mm. a de- there's definitely like a a level to which you should copy people who are successful. Yeah. Like you shouldn't go around doing everything that you're doing. Like Yeah. yeah. But like basically um try and use um I guess you could say like habits. Like let's say I don't know, someone might wake up every day at 8 right and you wake up every day at 11 you should probably um wake up a bit earlier so that just like them so that you can get more things done right yeah Mm -hmm. so yeah and another thing that helps you become successful is to develop habits and it states here that they determine 95 percent of what you do so it's really good to develop powerful and meaningful habits so that you can become successful and wealthy. Mm, like, what's an example of that? Like, going for 15 minutes, like, for a walk every day? Yeah. And, like, soon after you've done, like, a certain thing for maybe 20 to 30 days, 
then you'll be able to um, develop that habit and um, have it every day to help you in your journey to becoming successful. Mm, but I think there's a limit to how many habits you can do every day. Like, what's the maximum amount of habits that you can perform every day? Pretty much like infinite, I, like infinite, I guess. Right? Infinite. Because then, like, you can do an infinite, infinitesimally small habit. Yeah. So, like, there's there's not really like there's, any limit. I mean, you can form a habit, like, an infinite amount of habits for anything you do in the day. Like, if you're brushing your teeth, you can form a habit of the way you pick up your toothbrush. Yeah, that's true. And then the way true. you brush your teeth. And then how much toothpaste you put on your toothbrush is a habit. I, I mean, feel everything like, we do is basically a habit, right? I feel like too many habits can kind of make your life mechanical like robotic yeah because like m- yeah maybe too many habits might make um i don't know sort of se- makes everything seem like an order and you have no freedom or let's say maybe creativity but i don't know so yeah that's the last blink all right So that was Get Smart by Brian Tracy, a book about success and how to achieve it. Um, We were not sponsored by this book or anything. We just wanted to review it for the sake of the podcast. If you want to send us any corrections or suggestions about facts or what we should talk about, you can email us at youngdiscourse at gmail.com. But discourse is spelled D-I-S-K-O-R-S. And our Twitter is Discourse with the same spelling. Thank you for listening.